0: Hi there, my name is Dan Jones and this is a quiet talk from God's Word that I pray will bless and encourage you. I believe that the Bible, the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God. God's Word is just as relevant at this very minute in history as it has ever been. Jesus was traveling toward Jerusalem where he would be arrested and mocked and beaten and crucified. On the journey, one of those who accompanied him asked a question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Think about that question for a minute. You know, sincere Christians disagree about this, but personally, I believe that God wants everybody to be saved. God so loved the world, not just a tiny percentage of the world. Isaiah 45, 22 says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. But with great sadness. I have to say that not everyone will be saved. The Bible is quite clear on that. Jesus said, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I don't know about you, but I find that statement from the Lord Jesus very sobering. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 10, For though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Destruction is decreed, overflowing with righteousness. We use the word remnant to describe a scrap that is left over from a much larger hole, like a carpet remnant or a a remnant from a bolt of fabric. Isaiah had been speaking of the severe judgment that was coming upon the northern kingdom of Israel. The instrument of that judgment was going to be the wicked nation of Assyria. God called them the rod of my anger. In other words, God says, I'm going to spank you, Israel, and Assyria is going to be the paddle that I use. But after God uses Assyria to judge Israel, Assyria itself will be judged because they too are an evil nation, brutal, bloodthirsty. And unlike in the case of Assyria, there would be those of Israel, God's people, who would survive the captivity that was coming and would return to the God of their fathers. But sadly, most would not be restored as he says in the verse we quoted although the nation of israel is as numerous as the sand on the seashore only a remnant will return in first kings 19 we read about elijah's retreat you may remember that in the previous chapter this mighty prophet had called for a showdown on Mount Carmel between the God of Israel and Baal. He summoned 450 prophets of Baal to come and try to prove that their God was the God Israel should worship. They built two altars and put sacrifices on them. Elijah challenged them to call on Baal to send fire from heaven on their altar. The God who answered by fire would be the God they would worship. So Baal's prophets cried out to their God all morning until Elijah began to mock them. Maybe your God has gone on a trip, or maybe he had to go to the bathroom. I like Elijah. So they cried out the more. They began to cut themselves, but nothing happened. Their God didn't show up. Then Elijah said, It's my turn. He poured barrels and barrels of water on his altar until it ran down into a trench that surrounded it. He soaked it good. Then he said a brief prayer, O oh Lord. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And when he was finished with this short answer, prayer. Fire came from heaven and burned up the sacrifice, the stones of the altar, and evaporated all the water they had poured on it. And all of a sudden, the Israelites got religion. They decided that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was their God after all. Then Elijah rounded up the 450 prophets of Baal and slaughtered them. What a victory! What a mighty prophet of God! But the very next day, after this triumph, Elijah gets a little note from Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, threatening to kill him like he had killed her favorite preachers, the prophets of Baal. You would think that after what had just happened on Mount Carmel, Elijah would laugh at her threat, but he did not. He ran away to hide. He was scared to death. He told God that he was the only man God had left, so, God, you might as well kill me. He went from a great victory for God to being downright suicidal. So what was God's answer to Elijah? First, he told him to get up from his pity party and go do the Lord's work. And by the way, Elijah, God says, I have 7,000 men in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. That was the remnant. You see, God always has somebody. Their numbers may be small, but if you are on God's side, you have all the power and clout you need. 7,000 men was really a small percentage of the population of Israel. But that's why they're called a remnant, a small piece ripped out of the hole. Are there just a few that will be saved? Perhaps so. It's not my job to determine that number. It's my job to be in that number. Last week I talked about the great sifting that is taking place in the church of Jesus Christ. Times are coming upon us that will test our faith and our commitment to Jesus. Many will not pass the test. For a long time in our country, Christians have had it easy. It may be that those days are coming to an end. Time will tell. But the concept of the remnant, is all through the Bible. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The words of Jesus Christ. When Elijah gathered the people together on Mount Carmel for the test of who God is, he said this to them, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. That is the question. Too many churchgoers today are wavering. They say they want to follow Jesus, but they love the world. They can't give up temporal things. Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm... I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. I pray with all my heart the Holy Spirit will bring burning conviction on us today so that we will be hot for Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, O God, forgive our lukewarmness. Have mercy on us, Lord God, that we have not been on fire for Jesus Christ as he was on fire for us, a fire that burned in his soul until he went to Calvary, stretched out himself upon that wooden cross, and suffered an agonizing, hellish death because of his burning passion to save lost humanity. Help us to see that passion of Jesus. And I pray that we will catch that passion and that we will come become passionate for Jesus as he has been passionate for us. And I pray this in his precious and holy name, the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My friend, please contact me if you'd like. I'd love to hear from you and hear how these messages have touched your life, if they have. I would love to hear about it. My email address is father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.